The house looks great, but I noticed there's a weird smell. Oh, that? No, I wouldn't worry about that. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. That was a smooth and crispy. The autumn has arrived. It's autumn. I am an uh, as I believe you know, an autumnal spirit. Uh my my vibe? Oh, it's a fall vibe, you know? When you you, start- you love the day you get to take out your sweaters. I'm wearing a sweater today. I love it. I have great sweaters and I have great jackets. And that's the two things. Man, one of the biggest bummers about the summer. Everybody's like, oh, summer's great. Yeah, but when do I wear my good sweaters and jackets? <laughs> huh? Ugh. And then you get to winter and it's so cold. I can't wear my cool jackets. You can only wear like those big thick jackets. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to see the cool sweaters because they're under my jacket, my coat. Yeah. A coat. Ugh. But it does seem like uh, like Mother Nature looked at the calendar and was like, oh, today's the first day of fall, and flipped a switch, and yeah. now it's like 60 degrees. It was like 90 degrees yesterday. <laughs> uh, but now I'm comfortable in my home. Oh. Uh, so we're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we're talking about home buying, um, which, you know, isn't as... Uh, much of a thing, like, I think it used to be, where, I mean, I'm 37, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I cannot think of a, like, family I knew. Like, no, I take that back. I'll, let's say nine out of 10 growing up, like, everybody owned a home, right? And I think yeah. more and more people now are like, you know what? Uh, I either can't or don't want to. Exactly. She's going to live in a place, and that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I think, uh, and I'll get to this at the, you know, at the end of my historical section, the, uh, the, quote, American dream of owning a home was really kind of like force-fed to the Americans in the the 1950s. So, okay, let's start. Well, can I just say, just a little preface, a little, uh, uh, what's the word, a thing at the beginning where you like reveal, what's the, what, anyways, that uh, we are homeowners. We are. Um, and primarily uh, so that when we inevitably destroy things. So a little <laughs> fun story, day one, pretty much of owning a home, we were moving a couch into a place and it got stuck. So I forced it. And put a hole in the ceiling and a Travis McRoy butt-shaped dent (laughs) in the wall. And that's the only reason I need to own a home. (laughs) Because just my tendency just absolutely just Shrek around. And we lived here for three years before fixing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely we did. Because that's the benefit, though. No one's going to get mad at you except you. So (laughs) It's true. Okay, um, so if we talk about homes, housings, the dwelling, right? Yes. It goes way back. I mean, it's right there in the hierarchy of needs, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Food, mm-hmm. water, shelter. 
Right. It's some of the first things you do on a desert island. Indeed. Uh, but what makes a shelter a home? Ah, uh, it's where the say. heart. Ah, uh, it's where the heart is. The heart in your chest. The heart in your chest, and also, where do you hang your pictures? <laughs> <laughs> um, because of of course the earliest societies were hunter gatherers, right? Right, right. So, right. Um, usually migratory. Um, I mean, you had to follow. The herd because they did not like have domesticated herds of things at that point. So right, you had to go where the food was. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Rarely do you have to follow the carrots. Indeed. Yeah. So a lot. I mean, certainly there were societies more like family groups, right? Probably no more than about twenty people because, like, after that it becomes untenable. Uh, so uh, these groups, they would visit the same areas every year Mm -hmm. so there may be a network of caves that we always come to type deal or like a clearing that we know has good sight lines or right right but all this changes with the plow the plow because it allows us to work the land and say this land is my land is is your land that's what i said oh i see yes um so it gave people the ability to cultivate their own food so they weren't following it around, right? Weren't following the herds. They were growing the carrots. So they were growing the carrots and feeding their own herds, right? The carrots that they grew. It's it- the circle of life. <laughs> and so uh, they were able to, you know, like stay in one place. Um, that's nice because then you immediately know where the bathroom is. That's a, that's the, I mean, oh, you know, you go stay in a hotel or something, you wake up in the middle of the night and you have that like, sometimes seems like 15, 20 minute long period of like, where's the bathroom? But it's just because it's really dark, mm-hmm. you know, and the air's dry because it's that hotel air. So your eyeballs are all dried out and you're like, what is going on? You look like SpongeBob from that one episode when he goes into Sandy Cheeks' dome and there's no air. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone's been there. Okay, go on. <laughs> All right. Uh, So this was probably from about 30,000 BCE to like 15,000 BCE. So it didn't happen all at once. No, in fact, I would say that was a very long time. Indeed. Because, you know, you really... Without without the internet, news doesn't get around very fast. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the the plow was invented, but not adopted by a lot of uh, of societies. And like I said, these hunter gatherer groups were probably about twenty people, right? So it's got it's got a long way to go through that old telephone chain. And let's be honest, there are probably plenty of people. Who even after they got introduced to the plow was like, oh, you know, that's totally cool, man. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. I don't want a farm. Yeah. (laughs) I am not interested in that at all. That's it. And listen, hey, man, uh, to each their own, different strokes, different folks. For me, seems boring. Mm. See, I'd rather roam and follow the buffalo where they roam. All right? Cool, cool, cool. Got it. Um, So as soon as these people began to settle, uh, leadership systems started to develop. Well, yeah. Um, you need some kind of structure and organization. It's infrastructure, right? Right. Uh, so fertile areas were claimed and then fought over continually, right? Because if you're going to stay in one place, you want to stay in the best place, right? And sure. if you have the best place and I want that place, I make a bunch of swords and I kick you off of that place. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, you know, uh, eventually leaders... Although I will say... 
there is something, if you've ever gone through the process, heck, even of like renting a place, I do kind of, there is a bit of romanticism in me thinking about a time where you're just like, and here, <laughs> I'm going to build my house here because I like looking at this tree, right? That Just that idea sure. instead of just like, well, I guess you got to go through the city now <laughs> to do just the ability to be like, and here. Now, to be fair, that also, a lot of that historically involved taking land from indigenous people. So right. wasn't always that romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes what would happen is, so you would chase out the indigenous people and then you would build a castle there and then the castle would change hands every hundred years or so. If you're lucky. If yeah. you're lucky. Uh, and so the the home was always there, but the people inhabiting it were were continually fighting over it. That's why if I owned a castle back in ancient times and somebody rolled up, I'm like, I want to take your castle. I'll be like, okay, totally fine. I'll go find another castle. We don't need to fight. It's totally cool. As far as I know, there are castles everywhere. You can have this one. It's fine. Please don't kill me. <laughs> Uh, so, like I said, eventually leaders would start to emerge and kind of, like, disperse the land, right? Settle the disputes. And then for their services, they collected taxes. So we have this kind of the feudal system, sure, right? Sure, yeah. And systems like this were surprisingly corporate. Uh, oh, can I tell you something? Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. You mentioned taxes. Yeah. And I instantly was like, got it, got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. So there would be like a project manager or like a CEO or whatever who'd be responsible for pooling labor to dig irrigation tunnels, build strongholds, that castle that I was talking about. Um, I've heard of them, yes. Uh, Big places made of rocks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Temples as well, things like that. Um, and so people kind of like settled into actual societies at this point. Um, and that is when the need for more houses started going up because more kids. Well, yeah, once you start talking about irrigation, you start talking about security, you start talking about, like, uh, you know, travel is, I don't know if you all know this, hard, mm-hmm. even now with kids, let alone when you were, like, in a cart traveling for, you know, days and weeks at a time. Yes, yes. Um. So this is where we start to look at, like, kind of, like, these farming villages became like cities that had like family ownerships that had like, you know, descendants and lineage. Well, and- oh, yeah, because that's the other thing that comes with this kind of structure, right? Where you're just like, I'm building something for my kids to pass through their right? Whereas, you know, when you had the hunter-gatherer or just even a more nomadic, uh, less structured kind of system, it was like, and now you'll go out and kind of make it on your own and you'll do your thing. And, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so this was kind of like a labor for protection system, right? Meaning that there were two ways to call a place your home, taxes and tenants. Yeah. Um And so this is where uh, everything starts to condense a lot more, right? So you have the the peasantry in the bottom tier, Uh and then the tiers get smaller and smaller quite quickly until you get to, like, the leadership roles, the the royals, if you would, the aristocracy. Uh, But then middlemen came around. And the important part about middlemen— is so there there was this upper class that owned everything and rented it out 
and collected taxes from everybody else. So everybody else didn't own anything, right? Right. But once you start creating a merchant class, Uh there is the possibility for, you know, the socioeconomic status to change because you become like the middleman exchanging goods and and things like that. You can build your own wealth instead of having it passed down. So that is when home ownership becomes a a feasible thing for the peasantry. So this is this is anyone who's read um, any kind of like period dramas or even comedies probably knows a lot about this. This is uh, very present in a book series I'm reading now where you have the titled folks, you know, your, your mm-hmm. lords, your ladies, your dukes, squires, whatever. And then you have people who have made all this money but don't have a title. So what you ended up with was a lot of broke titled people mm-hmm. who had spent their monies like keeping up their estates and like lavish parties even or just losing it gambling and then you had all these people who had made money and scrimped and saved but wanted titles to like legitimize themselves right and then what happens is the industrial revolution and that changes everything indeed and we'll talk more about it after just thank you note. This week, we want to write a thank you note to Wild Alaskan Company. If you like to cook, you know that flavorful meals start with high-quality food and simple ingredients. With Wild Alaskan Company, their seafood is frozen right after it's caught for peak freshness, so you can avoid the fuss of unhealthy sauces and over-seasoning. Instead, all you need are a few simple ingredients, and you've got a delicious lunch or dinner for you or your whole family. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably-sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, cod, halibut, and more. Each shipment contains premium cuts of individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that are ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. Right now, you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash schmanners. That's wildalaskan, A-L-A-S-K-A-N, company.com slash schmanners. Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. (laughs) Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! Okay, so yeah, when last we left off, the industrials revoluted. Indeed. On the one hand, you have a lot of like crafts and trades being replaced by machines. But on the other hand, these machines also freed the absolute lowest class from, you know, intense physical labor. Listen, we've said it before when we talk about the industrial revolution. Smarter 
anthropologists, sociologists, historians, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. us can debate the relative merits and uh, negatives of the Industrial Revolution as it related to like skilled labor and all those things. But the end result being there was a chance for like people to make more social movement, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, And so this is where uh, we start to see the idea of the modern mortgage, where, uh, you know, you pay the house off a little bit at a time, um, buying it basically from the middleman, the bank or the lender, whatever, right? Uh Um, And Which, once again, man, the merits of that can once again be hotly debated, giving people the opportunity to do something that they wouldn't have been able to do before, but also, in any loan, there is a predatory nature of yeah. you're paying back more money than you got. Well, I mean, obviously, like, the thing that comes straight to my mind is it's a wonderful life, right? I mean, sure. Because, so there's the, the building and loan uh, with Jeremy Stewart. And then... See me what? Jeremy, Jeremy Stewart. It sounded like you said Jimmy Short. No, Stewart. Mm, still he says Stewart. Okay. Now, anyway. now you kind of sound like the guy from Letterkenny. Stuart! Okay. <laughs> and then, um, you know, then there's Potter, right? Who is like the rich guy uh, who has a bank of his own almost. Yeah, because no, he gets Potter's... Up. He's like a loan shark almost. And and, I, and I'm just going to say it. I know that this is a bold statement. I think Potter's the bad guy in the I movie. think so. I'm just going to say it. But, you know, I, I, I've seen various things that talk about like in some ancient society, like Greek, Rome, that kind of thing. The idea of like charging interest at all on like a loan was like illegal, was considered mm. very like to give money and expect more money back in return was uh, very, very frowned upon. Oh, yes. Okay. So then here- it's just given me a lot to think about, Teresa. <laughs> I've had loans I've had to pay off. And can I tell you, it's bogus. <laughs> I don't like doing it. Because sometimes when you forget that the loan even existed, they get really mad at you. They do. They get really oh, mad. And you got to file a bunch of paperwork after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. They're so mad when they're like, hey, it's been like six months. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want to. And they're like, tough nuggies. <laughs> I think that's a story for another day. Yeah. Okay. So. And then you have to work for years to rebuild your credit. And it, that's not even a thing. Okay. It's just a made-up number that people use to judge you. Go on. We have talked about, uh, at, at at length, the uh, post-war suburban boom yes. of the Second World War. But now we'll talk about the Third World War. No. Oh. Please, no. Um, it isn't just the result of a like a demographic shift, but it is... The home ownership aspect was deliberately engineered by the U.S. government. Oh, so I was going to say, I definitely see the advertising of it. Oh, yeah, there was demand, certainly, certainly. Um, But you can, like, you can directly trace back the idea of, so while the war was going on, there was rationing. There were people like doubling up and tripling up in like family homes. Um, there was, you know, uh, almost like a half a million people were in mobile homes or barns or garages. Like it was it was pretty bad. So all of this, um, you know, desire to kind of like spread back out and like get feel the wealth. Right. Um Emphasis on feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Was kind of idolized by these 
a couple of government initiatives. So there was the Federal Housing Authority and then the Veterans Administration. They were actually created in the 30s, the Federal Housing Authority was, but um, they guaranteed loans as long as new homes met a series of like different standards, you know, the codes, sure. building codes, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it allowed lenders who hadn't been in the housing market, like insurance companies and banks, to actually start lending out money. Um, And these VA programs after the war, World War II, uh, focused on the same thing, but like obviously returning soldiers and sailors. So here's, okay, may I rant for just a moment? You will. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I am, this is, what I'm out to say is not saying like anybody who's involved in the like home housing industry and everybody who's involved in like medicine and medical care or anything or bad people or anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the thing overall, the structure of it is that it has like commoditized. It has, at least here in the U S like created this supply and demand business aspect exactly. to this hierarchy of needs that we talked about, right? People need shelter, right? But what you have created is this idea that, the more people want the shelter, the more you can charge for that shelter that the like this, you know what I mean? That idea of mm-hmm. that there is an inherent business aspect to housing people. Right. Um, as opposed to, I mean, cause that's as opposed to everyone deserves in a modern society, the right to live. Correct. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. And yes. this whole thing is kind of, is kind of like, uh, and just to be fair, that extends to also like food, yeah. clothing, a lot of things. Is is laden with bummers. Yeah. The bummers are everywhere. And I don't want to say that like this is something uh, that we should glance over. I mean, there's redlining, there's endless housing discrimination, uh, people being removed from their properties, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, gentrification. Yeah. There's all these. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and so like and we can... I'm not going to get into it, but like the predatory lending of the housing bubble in like pre-2008. Yeah. Right. Um, And then the way that landlords these days often use like bully tactics Mm -hmm. to uh, keep their tenants and keep them in squalor. Things like that. Or to get rid of them when they want to charge more things for free. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, those are all the bummer things. And there's a lot of bummer stuff about housing. Right. And if if you want to learn more about these kinds of things, um, because it's important to not be ignorant, uh, you can read Evicted by Matthew Desmond, Heartland by Sarah Smarsh, uh, High Risers by Ben Austin, The Color of the Law by Richard Rothstein. Um, And there's also a really great um, Last Week Tonight episode about uh, housing discrimination that you could take a look at. Now, that all said... Owning your home can be really fun, and it is okay if you want to own a home. I'm not here to like like yuck your yum that way. It's it's great. I like planting things. You and do. I like getting to paint stuff. I like um, just saying like I'm going to put a hole in this wall. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's to hang a picture, and sometimes it's just whoops. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's important to know the history, but, you know, 
I, I just want to make sure all our listeners understand that you're not responsible for, like, all the terrible things that have happened. Unless I, you are, but you're not, so. Yeah, unless you are, like, the one specific person you are, and you know you are. But it also, I would say, if you are listening and you are a homeowner, it I also put it in the same categories, like, being a parent, where when you have that friend who's like, oh, I don't want kids, and, like, of course you love it, right? Being a parent is amazing. Yeah. Being a home- But if someone doesn't want it, it doesn't become your job to tell them why they're wrong, right? Yeah, totally. Like, this is the thing, man. I rented for so many years, and th- there are really good things about it. Man, having the flexibility to say, like, oh, circumstances are changed. Like, having a kid, for example, and saying, mm-hmm. like, well, we need more rooms. Let's just... We'll look for a different place in a different neighborhood. Oh, we can move for a job. Or this one's broken. Come and fix it, landlord. Right. Oh, there's so many aspects to it are great. And I feel like, uh, you know, we talked about advertising. I think that there was for a while, man, for a while in any movie where you wanted to show that like, oh, someone's really like backsliding, it would be like, oh, yeah, uh, they got divorced and had to move into an apartment. Right. Like, right. It it became like the like oh you can tell they're really sad they're growing a beard <laughs> of like that kind of thing oh man like that kind of stuff it, it's like used as shorthand for like yeah. oh they're having yeah. a rough Ugh. so I do have some tips some tips uh, uh, etiquette for first time home buyers um we talk about this where this there are people who have been through this before you. Obviously, right? So uh, really do lean on a realtor. And I think that uh, please don't be scared. If a realtor comes highly recommended, uh, they abide by all of the regular practices. They take the correct percentage. They go and make sure that you have the all the inspections like uh, get a recommendation. But realtors are not there to scam you. No. And um, I, I would also say that as someone who often prefers to defer to an expert mm-hmm. remember that at the end of the day you're the one who's going to be buying the house though and so you might have a realtor that's very enthusiastic or very like complimentary of a house uh, but don't feel bad saying no yeah this right? isn't it so find us something else right um but you do want to go in with a few basics it's important to know your budget um, it's also uh, neighborhoods you'd like to live in or things you absolutely need in your home. Um, we and were, things you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. We were interested in having kids and we had BB when we were looking for our house and I needed a tub to, yeah. to bathe her in. So a lot of houses uh, these days uh, don't have as many tubs. There's just one in the house. So we and had I, to have one. And I was like, I don't want a wild bear living in the basement. And the first like three or four places we looked at had a bear in the basement. Now, admittedly, some of them were small bears, but I was like, no, I said no bears because even a small bear can get big. We got kids. I can't have a kid in there with a bear, even if I put up a kid gate. You know what I mean? Some bears are smart. They can figure out how to open that gate. And now what? The bear's playing with my kid or worse? I think, I think, you're that's a different show okay that's oh what that's show? Okay. that's my bim bam oh right, 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 right there. Right, right, this right. is schmanners come okay. back to me okay you're right you're right you're right but we had dogs so a yes. fenced in yard fenced in yard <laughs> okay um once you have a realtor do not call other realtors for specific showings okay that's another thing that your realtor will set up and take care of because um you want to make sure that like this relationship 
uh, that you're cultivating is something that is mutually beneficial for both of you. And, you know, like if you it can get complicated and, and messy. Also, another thing, uh, and this is, I don't know, just real world advice. If you've been watching a lot of HGTV, mm-hmm. do not expect the process to be like that. No. Because uh, a lot of the times those shows are not actually reflective of how the actual process works. I'll oh, yeah. That. It's not real. Yeah. It's TV. It's uh, maybe structured in a certain way. So when you go to a showing, um, less people is better. Really, only the people who are, like, actively interested in it. Don't, like, bring your—try not to, if you can. Bring your children, bring your pets, bring your, na- your like, beforehand neighbor, your mom, like, any of that stuff. Because too many cooks spoil the soup. Is well, that sure. The, is that what it is? Yeah. Good. Uh, too, too, many, too many cooks spoil the broth? Broth? Is that it's, it? But, I mean, soup is broth. Anyway. In many ways. Anyway. Um, but I, I would say, unless it's, like— I I know I'm not good at making decisions, and so I'm bringing my brother with me to give me a... You know what I mean? Like, special. I, I mean, if your brother is going to help you pay the mortgage, then maybe. But, like, I think that there's there comes a point where they're not as invested as you are. So, like, yeah, bring your, your significant other, but if they're not going to be living in the house... Okay, I'll, I'll amend it to say, like... Maybe not for, like, the first showing, right? Okay. But if you're like, okay, you know what? I really think this is it, and I want to get, like, show you the, like, mm-hmm. but once but, you're, like, down the ways in the process, Exactly. Maybe. So it's important that you don't do multiple showings unless you have a real interest right. in the house. It's just, I mean, it... it it wastes a lot of time right. if you are not actually thinking about committing to the one house. I mean... And the person who's selling the house, obviously, they want to get someone who's interested. Right. Um, so, you know, if you need another showing, that's fine. I would also. But don't, like, just go for fun. Here's the other thing. If you are looking at a house, if you're looking to buy a house, and you are looking at a specific house, try to look at it, not like two separate showings, but look at it in two ways, right? Because the first time you look at it, and walk through it, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's great. I'm so excited. If you're anything like me, I guess. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be here, right? And then try to like walk through again with a really analytical eye mm-hmm. um, and just accept that there will be things once you move into a house and you own a house that will annoy you over time. It's just the way that it works. And then you will come to love the house no matter what. But like, for example, in the, the bathroom in our house, you have to raise up one of the lights to open the medicine cabinet. <laughs> it's frustrating. Because the pendant light is too long, the and we could fix too. it if we wanted to, but we haven't and yet. And it's annoying, but <laughs> hey, here we are. Well, we got some questions. You want to answer okay, some questions? Okay, perfect. Okay, great. So, first question. This is from Topper. Do realtors need to let on about known issues. I've pointed out foundation damage and water infiltration, and they've always been totally surprised. Um, so what they what it is, is your realtor cannot be legally responsible for disclosing those things. That is why you get a uh, inspection, right? right? They are they are supposed to disclose those things. Right. But the realtor is it's not their job. Especially if 
you are being shown a place by a realtor working for the seller, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not saying they're lying to you, right? But they're it's, trying to sell the place. Yeah, it's not their job. So if you are really interested in the property, uh, you need to wait until the inspection. And uh, get your own inspector. Yeah. If the seller's like, well, we had an inspector come out and look at it. No, no, no. <laughs> no, use your realtor and their contacts to get your inspection done. And that is when those problems will be uh, op- out in the air. Right. Uh, Laura asks, we're buying a house right now and I always feel bad for our realtor. She said, text me anytime, any day, but I'm not sure if making her on call 24-7 is actually the right call. Um. So Also, oh, the, oh. does she hate that 2.30 a.m. Zillow update text from people who don't even pay her? Also, why isn't she paid? <laughs> well, uh, so being a realtor has a lot of kind of like, um, uh, it, it's a collective reward, right? So you put the time in to find the people your house and their house, and then you get your cut, right? Um, so they wouldn't have become a realtor if they didn't know uh, that there would be some work. Uh, and it's kind of like a commission. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, it isn't kind of like it is a commission. I would say never be worried about texting or contacting, like emailing or whatever, during office hours. Okay, that is that is prime job time. I would say that there is a cutoff late at night. Uh, I would say probably nine thirty or ten. When yeah, most I was going to say pe- ten. Yeah. yeah, most people are winding down, but you can. What I would suggest is uh, email and schedule it for the next office day. Right. Okay. So you write your email, your questions, get it all out. Then you can schedule your sending of the email to like 9.01 a.m., right? Well, because that's the thing is, at least in this example of any new information, like a Zillow update or whatever, gathered at 2 a, 2.30 a.m., there's nothing actionable about that. Exactly. That time, Nobody right? else, nobody's open. That's a right. computer thing. Um, so... Ada asks, at what point in the process do you reach out to a realtor? Like the second step. The first step is, hey, let's uh, save some money to buy a house. Yeah. And then the second step is realtor. You know what? I'm going to walk it back even further. First step is, let's decide if I or we want to buy a house. Okay. Yeah. Because you might not want to. I think that should be a discussion that if you enter into like any kind of partnership with people where you're going to be living together, that should be a conversation that is right there with like, do we want to have kids? You know, yeah. like, are we the type of people who want to buy a house? Right. Because I feel like that is a big life decision that, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone's going to be in the same page about. Absolutely. Um, and so, like I said, you you want to discuss it. You want to have some kind of idea of like your budget and uh, your must haves and your absolutely nots and, you know, where you would like to find are, something. Eh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but realtors are something that you should get very early on because they guide you in the whole process. Yeah, they're facilitators. There's a lot of guesswork that goes into like, uh, you know, what are all these different terms and what are the loan differences? And like, do I want a 15? Do I want a 30? Like all this kind of stuff. And your realtor can help guide you on that. So you don't have to go at it alone. And your realtor might have uh, some like 
you know, kind of insider information of like, this this house hasn't been listed yet, but they're looking to sell. And I think it's perfect for what you look at. There's a lot that a realtor can offer. Um, Okay, we got one more. Haven asks, when is the point where I can start crawling under sinks to check for damage and other related activities without seeming like a paranoid raccoon with an affinity for plumbing? Do those exist? (laughs) Uh, maybe they probably do. okay. Um, so not at the open house, okay. Yeah. If you go to uh, an open house, this is just like a walkthrough, right? This is get a kind of vibe for the place, things like that. Uh, at a private showing, I would say that you are well within your rights to uh, open cabinets like under sink to like uh, see where the squeaky spots and the steps or or things like that are. Um, it's a little more difficult if there's still an occupant in the space. Yeah. Um, and you can request with your uh, your realtor to make sure that the occupant is not there. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes you have to ask because people people live in homes. So what? They do. Uh, so make sure that, that's, that you communicate that that's important to you. And, you know, while you're there with the realtor, poke around. That's, that's something that, uh, you know, our realtor encouraged. She was like, look under the sinks, look in the closets. Like I found the Declaration of the Independence inside the wall. It's amazing. No, no, you, I no, di- no, no, you didn't. I didn't. I didn't. That was, I'm Tracy. That was a joke that I made. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I misled you and I misled our audience. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, everyone. But that does bring us to the end of the episode. It does. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just filled with gratitude. Um, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, this evening, there is a live My Brother, My Brother and Me virtual show with Sawbones opening, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Tickets are $10 if you go to bit.ly slash virtual. And the good news is, even if you can't make that time, it is video on demand for the next two weeks. Uh, so one more time, bit.ly slash virtual. Uh, if you want to check out the other amazing Max Fun shows, you can go to MaximumFun.org. You can check out all the other McElroy shows at McElroy.family. We've got uh, some new merch up this month over at McElroyMerch.com. Make sure you check that out and check out all the other amazing merch that's there. Thank you for everybody who sent in uh, you know, suggestions for topics or idioms. Uh, you can email us. Schmannerscast at gmail.com? That's right. Yeah, I didn't hey, forget. Hey, you're taking my job. Oh, sorry. Teresa, what am I forgetting? <laughs> uh, we always say thank you to Brent Brentofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. At Schmannerscast is where we got the listener-submitted questions for this topic. Go ahead and give us a follow there. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Uh, if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. As Travis said, uh, we are always taking suggestions and idioms. We're working on a new one coming up soon. Um, and Alex, our brilliant researcher, thank you, Alex, reads every single one. So uh, that is schmannerscast at gmail.com. Also, thank you to Rachel, our editor, who helps us make this show. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manner Schmanners. Get it.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.